Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this episode, Eric Fawcett's going to be joined by Malik Grady. Um, Malik with uh, Close Up Magic Podcast. A lot of y'all know him at Malik G on Twitter. They're going to discuss Florida's 84-55 loss to end the PK-85. Uh, a just really lopsided defeat to West Virginia. They're going to break down that game. And then at the 39-minute mark, 40-minute mark or so, I will talk about Florida's upcoming game Wednesday night against FAMU. But uh, enjoy the discussion between Eric and Malik. I'm sure it is a fantastic one. And um, everybody, enjoy your week. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. Do it. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. This is not Neil Blackman. This is Eric Fawcett trying to match the opening cadence of how Neil normally opens the show. Um, Neil is very sick, so he is unable to join. He actually wasn't really supposed to be watching the Florida basketball game or covering it at all. But if you were on Twitter tonight, um, you saw that Neil was 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 very much watching and giving takes. So Neil will not be joining us tonight. But if you want to know his thoughts on the game, um, you can certainly go to his Twitter and uh, you'll see you'll see plenty. Um, instead, I am joined by Malik Grady, who we are happy to have on for what is now, you know, uh, uh, several times. So uh, it's good to have you, Malik. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, kind of a, a wild uh, time and circumstance to get on after such a game and such a circumstance. And as you said, um, after Neil's uh, reaction, uh, uh, kind of kind of got us ready for this. So I guess we'll just uh, get things started right off the bat. Yeah, I did. Uh, of course, we didn't podcast after the Oregon State game. Honestly, I don't really have any big takeaways. Um, I'll throw it to you in a second, Malik, if you uh, have any spicy takes from it. Um, I thought the Gators were pretty good. Um, they obviously kind of controlled that one against a team that I don't think is very good at all. I thought Trey Bonham, I, I mostly just wanted to talk about this game briefly, just to mention that Trey Bonham was, was excellent once again again um and another player uh that was really good and uh i guess we'll transition to uh to this game tonight against west virginia by saying that i think that you know florida's best player was was probably will richard and uh it is kind of fitting to have you on malik because you and me argued a little bit in the offseason i mean i was really happy i was ecstatic the gators got will richard but i thought he'd be like a 18 minute per game guy who you know, defended well and maybe scored five or six points a game and, and, and rebounded. You were someone who thought, no, he's going to be really good right away. Um, it looks like you were more right uh, than I was. So um, if you have any Oregon state takes, go for it. Um, I'd also just love for you to take a quick victory lap on uh, looking to be right <laughs> about, uh, about Will Richard, because I will say like, I would be comfortable saying that Will Richard has been the second best Gator so far this season. Um, tell me what you've seen from uh, Will Richard. Well, I, mean, I, I... I think Will Richard has it, – it's wild to me that Will Richard in some ways seems to be eating all of Kwesi Reeves' minutes. I, I, I can't really talk about him without talking about the loss of Kwesi Reeves as, as a player. So I'm I'm obviously exhilarated and happy about Will Richard playing well and being, you know, SEC level player, being able to start at, you know, the two or the three. But when you're losing Kwesi Reeves in the midst of it, and he's not even in getting minutes. Like, uh, I don't know. It, it just feels like an overall loss. I, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. where, where, where's your head at when it comes to Will Richard and Quay Series? Or are, are those guys linked for you at all? Or is it are they completely unrelated or what? 
Oh, it's totally linked. And I, and I think even too, there's some people that are kind of uh, laughing at me for my preseason predictions that I do for transfers. Um, because yeah, I had Will Richard at like under six points a game and playing like 18 minutes a game and people are kind of laughing and it's like, Oh, that's, but you know, <laughs> in my projections, it also had Kowasi Reeves playing a significant role, taking a significant load of the, of the offense. And uh, you know, Niles Lane also being in that mix as well, but we don't need to talk about Niles Lane, even, even without Neil present. Um, who is, you know, Neil keeps saying, oh, I'm not going to keep, uh, you know, standing for lane until, you know, something happens, but it's, it's got to keep happening. It does. Cause right. these conversations matter when you get blasted by West Virginia, you can't guard. Um, but uh, yeah, to, to get punked like that with uh, a player like Quasi Reeves marinating on the bench um, in addition to Niles lane. Um, yeah. It's shocking. I mean, I'll just say this for anyone who's kind of wondering, cause you know, I felt really bad for, for Kowasi, who I think, you know, felt like they panned him like five times in the Xavier game and leading the analyst to have to speculate about what was going on with, with, with Kowasi. Like I'm told he's completely healthy. He hasn't violated team rules. This is just a pretty pure coach's decision. And I did feel like, I mean, I think he should be out there. I think he can contribute. I think the first games of the season showed that as well as what he did last season as a freshman. And I did feel bad for him that, you know, on a national broadcast, people have to be like, Hey, look at that. Like what, what's this guy doing on the bench? You know, something must be wrong. He must've done something. I, I felt bad that he had to, to go through that. And then um, playing West Virginia where the, the Gators were giving up length everywhere around the floor defensively, they couldn't score offensively. They didn't have enough shot making. Yeah, I would have loved to see Kwesi Reeves out there. There's there's no question. Yeah, and, and even just listening to Todd Golden after the game, I mean, he said, you know, this wasn't good enough. You know, I'm, I'm disappointed in, you know, what, what we did. But it's almost like like the, the old, old – the, like he's watching the game. Like he's not part mm-hmm. of, you know, that equation. Like if, if the team isn't playing well, you have options. You have – you could put Kwesi Reeves in. You could – you know, send a message to your starters and say, hey, we're going all bench. You could do some different things, but doesn't seem to be doing some of those things. Or, or am I just missing something? Like, is is it as confusing and befuddling to him as it is to us? Or is are we the ones surprised? And he's like, like this is just kind of par for the course early in the season. I'm just, I, I have so many questions. My, my, it's hard to get my, my, my thoughts on I think, you know? Yeah, well, I feel like it's it's just a little bit early to uh, to say for sure. I mean, one thing again, I'll, I'll actually throw back another conversation that you and me had, where I think that you listened to some of the messaging that was like, oh, the like you know, Todd Golden's gonna always mix up starters and mix up rotations, and I kind of pointed out that like at San Francisco, he kind of picked his guys and kind of rode with them, um, whoever that group was, and I do wonder if this is what's kind of been established, and he's gonna ride with these guys for a while. I thought Trey Bonham was a course excellent the first two games of the season or first two games of this uh this tournament he wasn't as good against uh west virginia and again there was times where he got into the pain just didn't have the length to finish around um some of these big time athletes um, big time bodies of west virginia Uh, i didn't hate bonham's game honestly i thought like while it sucks to see his stuff getting swatted out to the first row at the rim it's also like well i'm just i was happy that he was the only guy in the gators that could get to the rim you know so i'll i'll take i shouldn't say that the kyle lofton was you know they ran some good pick and rolls kind of spain actions to to get lofton towards the rim but again i didn't hate what bonham was doing but it was one of those things where like when he was getting blocked at the rim every time it was like oh man like six foot seven would be certainly nice and and a little bit of shot making outside of bonham who shot wasn't falling and you know defensively will richard played pretty well but like kept getting switched on to Trey Mitchell, who was just, you know, baby hooking over him all day. And I'm not saying that Kwesi Reeves is 
first team all defense going to completely clap him down, but six foot seven with some length would have been nice there for these constant actions that the Gators were struggling to guard. Um, so th- that's just, and, and I think that's something that illuminated both the, something we talked about on the podcast, me and Neil last time now is getting illuminated with still no Quasar Reeves in a game like this against West Virginia is, and I'll, I'll I said this on the last podcast. I don't know if you listen Malik, um, but I'll reiterate it for, for those, for you and people uh, to hear this again. But like, I think the Gators are so bad at guarding actions. And I think that that was just something that was so exploited from a West Virginia team who is constantly flex screening, slice screening. And the Gators were just constantly handling those actions so poorly. And again, I'm not saying that you put Niles Lane and Quasar Reeves in the game that it's going to be better because I think there's structural issues with how they're guarding those. But if there is a desperation switch scenario, it's not Trey Bonham. They're guarding. It's not Myron Jones. It's someone who's six foot five or six foot seven. And I think that it was just another game where I think last year, um, there were some games where it just looked like the Gators were a conference USA team going against sec teams. And it's, almost looks a little bit like that at, at, at times when the Gators, you know, don't play their top 100 recruits. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's, that's a little bit concerning. Well, here's a question I have. What In a game where Kyle Lofton did have 17 points and four assists, got up 16 shots in a game where everybody was kind of just not getting the ball up to the rim at all. What, why, why were you so certain that Will Richard was the best player in this game, you know, from a Florida standpoint, is there any um, way that you could make a case for Kyle Lofton being the best player in this game since he at least got some points for for, for a team that was so challenged offensively and was getting pushed around? There were times that he was actually putting the ball in the basket at all. I, mean, I, I guess I'm just trying to get a handle on maybe one thing. Like, like what, what is it that you saw in this game that was positive for, for Will Richard? Because I, I saw him getting, like you said, the, the, the actions that we struggled guarding. I felt like Will Richard was a big part of that in this game and the last game. Like there were a lot of defensive things that he was a part of, or am I, am I seeing that wrongly somehow? No, no, that's, that's fair. I mean, I, I still think too, like that first half for Kyle Lofton was rough and him trying to create one-on-one was rough. He had a okay. couple, yeah, you know, he had that one Euro step where he just had no, no elevation because he's just not an explosive athlete. And he had times where he was trying to cook one-on-one and it turned into air balls. So I thought that first half was, was really rough. Um, And then I look at, I, so I think the opportunity cost to Kyle often getting all the touches he did, like, yes, he was ultimately able to, to put up some good points, but I think that kind of ultimately, um, you know, I thought I thought it was a good game for for Kyle Lofton. I'm not trying to take it away, but I don't think it's probably quite as good as it looks. If you're like, oh, we had 17 points and um, I think five assists. I don't, I don't yeah, totally remember. Four assists, two turnovers, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. So. And and again, I I I more want to say that I thought Will Richard was has been the second best skater this season, not necessarily this game. Um, okay, but I do I think even too just yeah. So that so the, what not just this game. I will say on this season, I think that Will Richard has been the second best skater. Um. So, but but I do think like you said, well, and, and then I I have a bit of a problem because I don't think the Gators guard screens well away from the ball, and I don't think that Will Richard is be doing poor i think he's executing a, a way that they're guarding these off-ball screens um where the screen defender is not providing any help and not giving an avenue for the player guarding the player receiving the screen um it's kind of just not helping them at all so i i don't really have any problems with how will richard played it, it within the role that he's supposed to and then of course he had the you know pick six dunk which is pretty big for it on a night where you know the gators couldn't get much going offensively but uh but yeah kyle kyle often still a 
good game. We I think we just it just like this game was a perfect example of what Kyle Lofton can do and can't do. Like when he was trying to cook one on one, it was horrible. Um, it, it it didn't work. And that, and again, that's just has never been his game at the lower, like at the A10 level. So it's not going to be his game at the against West Virginia. Um, but I thought when the Gators ran some good screening actions with a shallow cut or when they went to a Spain pick and roll, um, yeah, he's strong. Uses really good pace and and like changes of pace at least for someone who's not explosive and, and he got to the rim and uh, and, and finished. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of my thoughts on those guys. What do what do you think about? Uh, I know you kind of said about uh, Richard there quickly, but what do you think about the uh, the the, the backcourt or whatever you want to call those two? Well, it's it's funny. I I, I keep flip flopping. I, I had a had a, a friend of mine who's a Georgia fan ask me, "Hey, you guys are struggling more than I thought you would early in the season. What's going on?" Do you still feel good about this team? Do you not? And I was like, I'm about to go podcast with Eric Fawcett. <laughs> and I'm I'm not really sure. I'm I'm not because part of me still thinks there's a good team in here. Cause I, I see some positive performance. I see some guys that I think can play against almost anybody. But I wonder, is is that just wishful thinking? I mean, like, are, are the positive things that I saw from Riley Kugel in this out in Portland, you know, finally getting some double figure points, double figure you know, minutes, um, you know, kind of showing a few things, you know, even this game, are those real or is it all just a mirage? Is, is, it, is it something where, you know, uh, you know, the, the mislayups, the, the inability to, you know, push Myron Jones to, to the, to the sideline is all that going to come back to the fore when they play a good team again, like Oklahoma or UConn or Ohio, these teams that are once again, going to want to punt, Florida the way that West Virginia tried to punt Florida at all so I don't know I I, I, I even I even said, said some not 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 as kind things about Kyle Lofton last couple of games I was like well is he maybe playing too many minutes do, do we need to have him play 37 to, to 40 minutes the way he's been playing early in the season and then now in this game I'm stuck defending him saying oh he, he's the guy who only got got double figures in the game so I don't know. I, I feel like I'm I'm hard to t- get a hold of, just like this team is hard to get a hold of because I do feel positively and negatively almost in the same sentence and all. I mean, do, do you share that, or are, are you do you are you are you are you have you thrown your hands up the way Neil seems to have thrown his hands up about this team? Are, are is it over? I mean, where, where where do we stand going into the rest of this month? Even I guess. Um, you know, I didn't know where I was going to throw this in, but Neil did request that I read something that he wrote. Um, he put it in a tweet, but he asked that I read it on the podcast. So I'll say it now and then I'll address what you're saying. But at some point I just got to get it in there. But, um, this is from Neil Blackman. I've watched Gator basketball for 30 years, five years of the podcast. This was the worst Florida basketball performance since Donovan locked the team out of the facility in 2007, 2008, awful defense, sloppy offense, outworked on glass worst of all gators didn't compete so that was that was from neil um he wanted that to be shared so i'm happy to read it for him um going back to what you're saying about like uh man is there a good team in there somewhere (laughs) like (laughs) i i i I, again like we're i i don't want to beat a dead horse here but like they have two guys that i think should be starting that didn't touch the floor until garbage time so if we're talking about you know, could the cavalry come in? It's like, well, Quasi no, no, specifically, who, who are you saying? Who, you, two players you're saying that should be starting? Quasi Reeves and, and Niles Lane. Um, okay. Which again, this is like, and I'm talking like going into the season. Um, people who okay. know listen to the podcast, I thought that Niles Lane should start. I thought Quasi Reeves should start. Um, given the way that, like, you know, 
if the Gators played again tomorrow, uh, I would not say that Niles Lane should start because I think Will Richard has been excellent. And Trey Bonham makes the conversation interesting because he's been excellent. Um, but to me, Kowasi Reeves should absolutely be starting um, or, well, I shouldn't say maybe not starting should if nothing else be in the rotation I, I i don't know it'd be interesting and and we'll see when when the gators get back to gainesville and 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 um i like i don't know what gators media is in in portland to maybe be to maybe ask him about uh um quiz and maybe and maybe he has been asked and i just haven't seen it but like it'll be interesting to find out what uh what golden has to say about reeves not really playing but like for the like like if we if the gators just lost this game and like say quay series was injured and Niles lane was injured and this is like if you could transport us to the summer and say hey the gators are missing these two guys and got blasted by west virginia we'd be like oh well you know at least they'd have quay series and Niles lane coming back so i think if you wanted to say like okay could this team be better than than what we saw this weekend you could at least say well we know quay reeves is someone who can contribute and at least some people think that's going to, again, I th- do think some people have kind of given up on Niles Lane and that's totally fair. Two coaching staff seem to have decided that he can't help them, but at least, you know, some people are going to have some optimism that, okay, here's a guy that can help. And then I think you say like, well, you know, Colin Castleton didn't have a great weekend relative to what he's capable of. So, you know, if, if Colin Castleton was 20 and 10 instead of 13 and eight or whatever he was, which is funny that like, you know, Colin Castleton, you know, had like 12 points and 11 points against Oregon state and Xavier. And it felt so quiet for him. Yeah. You know, if he plays what we think he can and you have a game like this from, from Kyle often who maybe he doesn't try to go one-on-one as much. And then you have Kowasi Reeves in the game and maybe even Nas Lane becomes someone who can help a defense. That's looked pretty, pretty poor. At, at least I can say like, okay, there, there's pieces that were not contributing this weekend that I think can contribute. So therefore I think this team can be better. That would be my kind of thought to like, is there a better team in there somewhere? Well, the other part of it is like, um, you're given, you're given a, a, a legitimate carved out role and double figure minutes to Myron Jones every night. And he's given you, you know, he can't make a shot. You know, he's getting two points, two points you know, all on free throws or those type of things um, as your backup point guard. Um, I know Kwesi Reeves I mean, is, is, has played a little bit of, you know, the main ball handler in high school. Uh, Niles Lane is, is, has has done some playmaking things here and there. Um, Riley Kugel definitely has been a primary playmaker, you know, you know, in, in his play. Can't those guys eat some of Myron Jones' minutes just to have a little more of a high ceiling for the team? Because, I think Myron Jones is a guy who at, at best right now seems like someone who can help you mark time while Kyle Lofton is, is off the floor where he's, he's, he's not going to kill you. But is he going to do anything that positively takes you over the top and gets you the runs that you need with the bench when Kyle Lofton's not playing well or not on the court, that kind of thing. So I, I like, like what you're saying about Niles Lane and Quasarese being those two, you know, guys that you could just, bring out at any time and suddenly uh, get positive things from uh, I, the, that's the one position. I think that if Niles Lane and Quasi Reeves, especially, especially Quasi Reeves, that if he could take some of Myron Jones minutes and then Kugel is more of your playmaker, maybe you could get something positive out of that. But again, is, is, is that it just closing my, like Myron Jones doesn't seem like he's going to be moved off the, the pommel in any time soon. Like he's always in there when things get, get, get tight. That's the guy Todd Golden turns to. Um, wh- why is that? What, what is what is going on? I, I just don't I don't understand the calculus of of why we, we we're seeing what we're seeing. I guess. 
Well, and, and eventually it's like to start the season. Yeah. You've got to say like, who's good in practice, who's got leadership qualities in the weight room. Like I, I, I can kind of get that. So as much as whenever, like there was a lot of pro Myron Jones stuff that was coming out of Florida's coaching staff in the summer. And mm-hmm. again, people who listen to this podcast will know that I kind of laughed at it. Cause I kind of thought, you know, I didn't really believe that he was going to be a positive contributor for the team, but I wasn't going to stand in the way of, in, of, of encouraging a player who, you know, I don't want to say hit rock bottom, but like did not play well last season. So it's like, Hey, why don't, why not give him all kinds of encouragement and see if he can be better. But like, yeah, I think we've just like, we've seen how the story goes with him. And and I think you nailed it that there's just not a lot of ceiling there, but there's a pretty low floor and that's just not the kind of guys I want to build my basketball team with. Um, So I'll, I'll say this and you can disagree with me because I have no idea how to classify Florida state, but I think the Gators have played three good basketball teams this year, Florida Atlantic Xavier, and now West Virginia, and they've lost all three of them. So at, at some point you've got to take out the, or I, I don't say you have to, at some point, I think the intangibles of like who looked good in the summer, who shows leadership off the floor, who looks good in practice, all that. Like at, at some point there is going to be a sample size of like real world data. And it's going to start to be like, oh man, maybe we need Trey Bonham to have more looks as the primary ball handler, not next to Lofton. And we have him with some good wings around him. And we have a lineup that's Trey Bonham, Will Richard, Kwesi Reeves, Alex Fudge, Comcast and whatever. Or you say, or you realize, oh man, these Myron Jones minutes are not going well if we, if he is on the floor, he should not be in a ball handling role and maybe his just minutes on the whole need to be like, to be decreased. Like we're, we're starting to see sample size. And I will say as somewhat of a sample size is the fact that I think the Gators have played three good teams and have lost all of them to various levels, of course, but they've lost all of them. So at, at some point, I think it's just clear that what is going on right now, which has been a pretty kind of consistent rotation of the same kind of guys um, with the big one, of course, just being that, Quasi Reeves was in the lineup and now he's not. And Trey Bonham wasn't really in the lineup and now he is. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's a couple of guys that I think they're that, that pretty soon here. And maybe this is the week coming home from Portland that the staff will, will start to, you know, really reevaluate. Were, were you as shocked as I was that Con Castleton's one and only made field goal was with five minutes left in the second half? Like I, I heard that and I, I knew it was true just from, you know, the, the flow of the game, but it it felt so like outer space, <laughs> you know, this, a guy who's just pouring in buckets early in the season, like his first and only made field goal was it was the five minute mark of the second half. Like, is that shocking? This one from the player that you saw early in the season, is that what we should expect going forward that this guy can be taken out of games when he's played against um, athletes at his level or guys at his size or, or what, what is going on there? Well, if we want to rewind to last year, I remember saying, okay, Colin Castleton can do this Colin Castle thing where he goes for 2010 against some of the lower level opponents, but he wasn't always able to do it against the top kind of like he was doing against the six foot seven, six foot eight centers, wasn't really doing against the six foot 10, six foot 11 guys. Okay. And then of course he had some of the big games against Auburn and like Walker Kessler where he gave him buckets right. and I kind of had to walk it back and say like, okay, like clearly he can, you know, still do this at the highest level. But then I see a game like this where 
they were kind of giving him those high post isolations and they were going nowhere against Bell and some of these big time bodies of, of, of West Virginia. So I think it showed. So, so the answer is probably somewhere in between of like, here's the guy that was getting whatever he wanted against Walker Kessler last year versus like what we just saw like an hour ago. Um, Cause we were podcasting late on Sunday night. So yeah, that, but, but it, I, I think it's clear that like, well, I'll, I'll say the other thing too. So like, I think a lot of the talk rightfully so is going to be on Florida's defense. Cause I do think the defense has been worse than the offense. I think that the offense has been okay. Um, I, it certainly is not super sophisticated, which offense doesn't have to be, but I don't feel like outside of some really clever baseline out of bounds plays, the Gators have been able to generate like easy points for their guys. So to watch West Virginia run all these flex screens for like easy, easy post catches and just like dudes laying the ball in and to watch Xavier run all these easy, easy flex, like all these rip plays to get Zach Fremantle uncontested layups, man. Can you imagine if Colin Castleton could get some of those? Um, so I'm, I'm also hoping that, that, you know, coaching staff sees like, Oh man, you see that rip play that, that Xavier kept running and kept getting wide open layups for Zach Fremantle. Why don't we run that for Colin Castleton or like seeing, seeing uh, West Virginia run these flex screen actions to get easy, easy touches on the inside for their post players. It's like, man, cause that's the thing that I feel like the Gators have lacked all year for Colin Castleton. And it didn't matter in the opening games. He was getting whatever he wanted anyways. But I think this weekend against some better quality teams, um, yeah, it wasn't enough just to isolate him on the post, isolate him in the high high post. So um would would love to see them make his life a little bit easier with some some creative actions. Well I mean and that that's that's kind of what, what you expected with with Hovde as offensive coordinator that you'd have some creative ways offensively, some some base things that you could go to, uh some I don't know. I, I don't know what it is like. Just just screens or getting him the ball on the move. Him as the playmaker. I mean, I I don't. I haven't seen much inverted offense. It seems like there have been times they could have done some of that with him even out on the floor as as the main guy. Even on the break when he's been that kind of um you know guy with the ball in his hand. There there have been some of their better offensive transitions have been with Colin Cowson leading the break. So isn't there a way to incorporate that more into the offense? Like but we we have a, this isn't the best that we can do offensively, right? I mean, this isn't all. That, that that there is to to be seen. I mean, because it seems it seems very repetitive. I I don't I don't I'm not I'm not seeing the I guess the creativity of that that I wanted to see offensively. Or do you think we're going to see more of the same and just maybe at a higher level as we go forward? Well, again, so what I expected with Hubby a little bit was I thought we were like I thought the game was going to play Princeton and throw the ball into the high post or kind of pinch post to Castleton and, and run off ball actions and screening actions. Instead, what we got is a little bit more of what San Francisco did under golden, which is continuity ball screen. Um, push that, that wing through empty side ball screen, nothing there, reverse it, push that wing through empty ball screen. So it's funny for, to hear you say that it looks well, I forget the word you just used um, repetitive. I think you might've just said, um, because yeah. that's what this continuity ball screen is. And that's also, I'll say regarding what, you know, Kyle often puts up points, but I want to talk about the opportunity cost is because it seems like the Gators are playing continuity ball screen for Kyle often to get empty side ball screens. And it's not getting the best out of Colin Castleton or the other players on the floor. I mentioned on the last podcast, I didn't think the style of offense was, was best for Kwesi Reeves. And it's honestly one of those things where I'm like, well, I guess they're going to play continuity ball screen. Like, I guess no wonder they don't want Kwesi Reeves on the floor. I even, I say that partially in jest because I still <laughs> think, still think they would want him on the floor, but you know, we'll see. But um, so I would say that Florida's offense is, uh, is it, I mean, it's repetitive in nature because that's what continuity ball screen is. It's like, Hey, can you make them guard 
six ball screens on one possession and eventually they it's going to break down and it did as we we saw there was some really good Kyle Lofton moments I actually thought that there's also some really good moments where they just really collapsed on taking away Con Castleton on the roll and it opened up shots for a, a teammate so I do think to an extent Kyle or uh Con Castleton's quiet night was also a little bit of like like yeah they they put two on the roll to take him away and Will Richard got an open shot because of it. So there was still like value to that. Um, there's one really nice screening roll action where Lofton got it to him, perfect pocket pass. And then they just like, you know, hacked him out of desperation. So that was like one of those, like you would have loved to seen a two hand tomahawk that would have been a loud bucket. And it said it was a foul, which those points don't seem to register as loudly all the time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like to see, to see Xavier running what Xavier is running. And again, I think Sean Miller is outstanding and has been proven to be outstanding. And to see Bob Huggins run stuff that is not super creative, but it doesn't matter because it's hard to guard even when you know it's I think Florida knew exactly what was coming every time down the floor from West Virginia. I don't like where I think Sean Miller had deception. Um, West Virginia had meat and potatoes. We know you, you can know what's coming, but we're going to run it really well. And if you're not very good at handling off ball screening actions, you're going to have problems. And that's what, what we saw. It looks like um I think Florida ended up being a one and a half point favorite in this game, um even though most of the I think pregame action so to speak or people making picks were people thinking that West Virginia was was going to win the game. Uh, where did you you come in before the game? Did, did you expect Florida to play well against West Virginia? Did you think three games in four days was going to spell? trouble for florida after having not again not played guys like niles land not having played guys like quasi so you kind of had a, a shortened team maybe a little more gas like did you did you did you expect this where florida lose by double figures or more which is what happened or did you expect florida to have a more competitive game against what turned out to be a pretty good west virginia team so i thought florida was going to lose um not in this fashion for sure but i thought it was going to be somewhat comfortable and i i like i might need jake winderman to pull receipts for me because he was the one i you know i was talking to about it but mm-hmm. and honestly the big problem was i i knew florida was going to very 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 much struggle with this uh with the offensive west virginia because i've seen how florida's guarded off ball screening actions and it hasn't been very good so i knew that that was going to be problematic um what i didn't expect and 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 i will say this like i mean yes let's acknowledge that we saw Eric Stevenson bricking three after three in the sec and he had some ridiculous shots against the Gators. And uh, there was some poor luck there. There's also times. And one thing I will say about Florida's defense that I'm a big fan of is they are guarding one-on-one on post-ups and not doubling and opening themselves up to cutters and three point shots. Like what happened in previous years at Florida. So I okay. really, I'm a fan of the fact that they're going one-on-one in the post and there were some times where guys just hit sweeping hooks that were exactly like off balance, the stuff the Gators want to give up and they fell. So I do think there was a little bit of, I don't want to say luck, like, but you know, I, I think if this game exact game is like, if they, if they were going to play again, Wednesday, it wasn't Florida a and I would very much say like, yeah, I think that West Virginia is going to win. And I think that might win by double digits. I would have never expected the utter blowout, but uh, yeah, we talked about it on the podcast and, I was sure in some private conversations, let it be known that, yeah, like if the the, the Gators do not handle off ball screening actions well enough to, to compete with this West Virginia team. But uh, what did, what did you think going into this one? I mean, I, I, I guess I, I thought Florida would end up pulling it out because it was such an important game. I thought they would have been able to game plan against a team like West Virginia um, a little better. Just uh, having seen what, what they've done for three games, what they've put on tape, 
be able to come up with a, a better game plan than what you saw him. I thought Florida got pushed around. I thought, um, you know, they, they let the refs get to them. I thought there, there was a lot of foul trouble in the first half that they didn't deal with and didn't have a plan for, okay, what if your top two bigs get into foul trouble? What is your plan? I didn't think they, they had a plan. I mean, I think the, you, you had saw CJ Felder in there for a moment. You saw Alex Fudge, but I think there were maybe some other things that you maybe wanted to do when it, a game became like this to not be able to say, Hey, let's, give the ball to Riley. And if he gets bumped around, maybe at least be able to throw something up. Uh, let's, you know, see what we can do in terms of just from a size and physicality standpoint. Quasi Reeves is, is used to kind of junk defenses from his high school days with three guys on him and just mm. chucking something up. So to not even play him when in the last game, you played him eight minutes, you know, you, you, you did the rotation where Quasi Reeves was the backup to Will Richard. Why, why didn't you do a similar thing this game? So I, I guess I thought there'd be a different game plan against a team like West Virginia because of how they play, but instead it was the same old thing that we saw in the past game, and you really just got embarrassed. So I don't know. What, does, that, does that make sense? Am I as incoherent as I feel like I am right now, or, or what? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it is kind of like funny when we're talking about like some better game plans and I would say in-game decisions won a couple games this weekend. It's like, okay, well, it's Sean Miller who I think is outstanding and Bob Huggins who is a hall of famer. So, and honestly, Sean Miller probably could be on, he probably would have been on track slash is on track to be a hall of famer, if not for off the court stuff. And and even if he's not just X's and O's wise, I think is brilliant, truly brilliant, both sides of the Mm -hmm. ball. So it's like, yeah, we're the we're the Gators like gonna you know out scheme those guys in a tournament setting, like I probably not because probably most teams are not gonna out out you know scheme these guys, but uh, uh, I I think that uh, yeah we've seen the Gators kind of go into these same games with this idea to do continuity ball screen, which just was tough at times to do against these icing of, of West Virginia. They still had some good moments about it, but wasn't always great. Um, defensively, kept struggling with the same actions that they've struggled with all all year. So it's just one of those things that like, you know, when the Gators play their next good opponent, I'm just not sure I would go in with that mindset of like, Oh, well, you know, certainly the Gators are going to go in with some game plan. That's going to be a lot better than the other team's game plan. Maybe, but I, I don't think this weekend is, as has made me, uh, made me feel that way. Well, we, we, we got three minutes, let's look at 20, um, you know, a week from now, same time we will have played Florida and we also will have played Stetson Stetson team who, kind of embarrassed FSU, um, you know, two weeks ago, has, once again, a top-notch coach who's been in a lot of situations. Uh, I believe Donnie Jones is the one you know, calling things there now. So where do we stand then? I mean, obviously, you, you think Florida a m shouldn't be a problem, but is Florida going to lose to Stetson or have to have a furious comeback to snatch, you know, victory away from defeat? And we're still in this same uh scared predicament that we are right now or will we feel better a week from now i mean respectfully to uh to donnie jones and and the stetson hatters i've not watched them play and i think that that's where like style of play to me would would matter a lot because i think the style of play and what the gators have struggled with has been a very good indicator of these losses that they took this weekend so <laughs> let let let's You're hope. saying we have a chance. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, I do think they have a chance of of coming away from playing Florida and and Stetson and us feeling a lot better. But I still think there's going to be an idea of like again, but like like we talked about earlier, they played three good teams and lost all three of them. So beating two mid major opponents, even if it's in 
even if they win by 40 both games. I don't know. I think there's going to be some skepticism of just like until we see it against Yukon or Oklahoma, you know, well, it's uh, and that's the thing that the very next week after that, you got Yukon, Ohio, Oklahoma for those next three games. Um, I, I is is our path to getting some sort of good net rating to having some sort of semblance where we're the ones showing things in the SEC? Is that path done now? Do do we? just have to play spoiler and maybe just get lucky in the SEC tournament. Like where do we have to change our expectations for this team now based on what we've seen and, and haven't seen, or, or are, are you looking that far ahead? I guess is the question. <laughs> I mean, I just know that like from a, what do they have to do for the net? There'll be plenty of opportunities. So I'm not too concerned okay. about like, Oh, did Florida cook the books and not have any chance at, you know, a good seed because their nets, blasted uh th- this will have plenty of opportunities i think um but and but you know in terms of is this team better than we thought i think it goes back to what we were talking about before where it's like is kawasi reeves what we think he is and when he returns will he bring that and uh you know maybe will nas lane help out too i think those are the things that again if you're looking for some quote-unquote positive from a game like tonight it's like okay well two guys that we think can be pretty good didn't really play so maybe those guys play and maybe that really changes how this team looks okay well <laughs> i i think um yeah i think we really just we really gave a snapshot of where two people that live and breathe florida basketball watched us very closely feel about this team after these few games the highs and the lows like really, really deep lows, like depression lows, like uh, scared lows, like how bad could this team get? But also maybe a few highs, some, some guys showing some things and, um, you know, maybe maybe it's just wishful thinking and all, but um, I, I think we're as confused and as scared as other Gator fans are, I think. I mean, am I, do you share that those feelings with me or, or are you in a different place? Oh, for sure. Um, I, and okay. I think it's fair too. I think it's fair too. And and again, I don't, and I think if you have those concerns, that doesn't like, I think you can also have concerns while not being like, wow, the Gators made a bad hire or this era is doomed or this season is doomed. I think it's, you can, you can have some doubts while still, uh, you know, still being open to this could have been a good hire. This could be, this season could still be awesome because it yeah. still very well could be, but having some skepticism after what we saw, that's, that's totally fair, totally reasonable. Um, that's uh that's a, that's a coaching change. That's uh, uh, a roster turnover. Those are the things you, you deal with, but uh, yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't make games like this, any, 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 you know, feel any better as, uh, as we saw from Neil's tweet earlier that we read and uh, <laughs> as we saw in kind of, you know, Twitter generally, but uh, you know, Malik, I thank you so much for, for, for staying up late. You talked about guys who are, you know, living, living and breathing Florida basketball. It's like, well, we're uh, recording real late on a, on, on a Sunday to make sure that people have uh, something to listen to. So thank you for your contributions. And I'm uh, sure we'll have you on, on again soon. Absolutely, man. And I, and I, I, I'm, I'm glad I get to throw it to you for, to take us out of this, what our customary <laughs> way of going out with this uh, when it comes to Florida basketball hour. <laughs> Thank you, Malik. Go Gators and keep attacking closeouts. All right. So Florida returns home after a one and two trip to Portland. Um, they will take on Florida AM. Uh, the Rattlers on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock game. It's only going to be broadcast if you have ESPN+. Plus. You can stream it 
Um, I think, you know, from a get well standpoint, it's as good a game as Florida could have scheduled. I mean, the Rattlers are terrible. Um, there are 363 teams in Division One. Uh, FAMU ranks 359th in Kimpom. They rank 362nd in offense. So, you know, a good get well game for the Gators offensively, I would imagine. Um, they are in the SWAC. Uh, they pretty much fund a lot of their other sports with basketball, by games, and with, um, you know, a couple of football by games. So they make most of their revenue basketball-wise, I guess, uh, is to say with, with their by games that they play. Um, they're going to play Georgia, for example, like right after they play the Gators. So they played Oregon. They played Portland. They played Oregon State. I mean, they basically went on a tour of Oregon to open the year. Uh, three quick bye, bye games. They played the Canes um, last week before, um, or I guess after Miami's weekend feast week event, lost by 26. Just haven't really been competitive. Uh, their offensive numbers are terrible. They turned the ball over more than anyone in the country save one team, 362nd turnover percentage. Uh, so it's been a rough start for, for FAMU for sure. Um, I think the Gators really do need some confidence defensively. And, uh, you know, this is probably the game where the Gators can can get that. Um, their leading scorer and best player is probably Byron Smith, who is a junior uh, from down the road in Palatka. Um, he started his career at Southeast Louisiana, transferred to Florida A&M, averages eight and a half points, two and a half assists. Um certainly is their leader. Uh, Jordan Tillman is another guard who can heat up. Uh, sorry, I just yawned. Tillman has a uh, scoring average of 14 points a game. Um, he's real good at getting into the paint, which is nice, you know, test, I guess, for the Gators because Florida really hasn't been able to stop any straight line drives whatsoever. Um, rebounding. FAMU's at 317th. Uh, defense, they will defend you deep into the shot clock. Um, they're 305th in defensive efficiency, and they, they really do a nice job of getting back and making you work. Um, I would say that's probably the best trait that they have is they don't like to, you know, you're not going to get out and beat them in transition very much unless they're tur- – and even when they turn themselves over, they get back pretty quickly in transition. So um, that would kind of be the one thing that – that I think you could safely say they do well, but even in that, those situations, they just have had so much trouble scoring um, that it hasn't really mattered. Uh, the common opponent was Oregon State. They lost to the Beavers by 17. Obviously, we saw the Gators handle the Beavers. Um, so that's your one common opponent. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of interior talent. I really think this game is much more about the Gators. Can they stop? straight line penetration against a weak opponent. Can they show some togetherness and some want to and some fight after getting absolutely embarrassed by West Virginia? Um, You know, can Colin Castleton sort of return to the form that had him, you know, dominating early season player of the year conversations entering feast week. And then he really 
goes into feast week and fails to play one good game. I mean, uh, you know, can they get a good game from Colin? The Gators need to get well this week because it's not going to necessarily get any easier for Florida. Um, you know, moving forward, obviously, UConn, a really fantastic team, is headed to Gainesville on December 7th. Gators are also playing Ohio and Tampa on December 14th. That game, you know, is without question uh, a losable game, the way Florida is playing right now. And then Oklahoma and then Auburn. So Florida closes this this month, you know, with four tough games. The two get-well games are basically Florida and m and a Stetson team that has already beaten um, a couple Power 5 opponents. So the Gators want to be careful against the Hatters, but it's at home. Florida needs to come out and play well. Let's watch also what happens with Koisi Reeves. Um, is he going to play? Is he going to start? It appears that our guy, and I say R because it's an Eric Fawcett thing too now, it appears our guy Niles Lane is is more or less out of Todd Golden's plans. He played three minutes in Portland. Um, I think when you're not playing a bunch and your team is bad at the one thing you're great at, uh, that's probably an indication that you're not in the plans of the head coach. Uh, you know, in our view, that's unfortunate, but. Kind of is what it is at this point. Um, you know, Todd Golden is going to do what he has to do to build his his uh, program uh, the way that he wants it built. And, you know, that's it's just interesting right now that two guys who sort of were the best players on the team outside of Castleton in the last month of last season, um, you know, collectively played about 10 minutes in Portland. Um, so let's see what happens with Kwesi Reeves. You know, is, is he in the doghouse? Is he back in the rotation? Uh, it'll be interesting to see just what happens there. Uh, but that's it. Florida and FAMU. That game Wednesday night. Zach Tech Arena. 8 o'clock tip. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will catch you all real soon.